This is the Chester County Real Estate Podcast, bringing you the info you need to make your next move a great one. This show is brought to you by Remax Ace Realty. For show notes and links, go to acerealtypa.com slash podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Chester County Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Dominski, and this is the show that gives you the information you need to make sure your next move is a great one. And today I'm sitting here with Jim Whelan from uh, Remax Ace Realty. Uh, Jim, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi. Hi, everyone. Well, I've been a realtor for about 22 years. Wow. In um, <laughs> Chester County, Delaware County, Montgomery County area, Berks County, of course. I have um, done everything from residential homes to shopping centers, restaurants. I spent many years working with what's called an REO, Mm -hmm. which a real estate-owned property or commonly a foreclosed or a bank-owned property. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to talk about today a little bit because it's kind of an area that a lot of agents have knowledge in, but not always experience. (laughs) It, it, it can be a very rewarding experience, mm-hmm. but it also can be a very detrimental one gotcha. in, in the expense. Okay. You really, as a first home, you really shouldn't look at a foreclosure. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's start with what is an REO and let's try to, let's just kind of talk about the difference between a foreclosure, bank owned, REO. Okay. REO is called real estate owned. Mm-hmm. Okay. It could be owned by the Veterans Administration, HUD, which is Housing and Urban Development. It could be owned by Wells Fargo, Bank of America. It could be owned by Fannie Mae. So I would understand why Wells Fargo would own a property. So someone had a mortgage with Wells mm-hmm. Fargo. They stopped paying it. There was a foreclosure, a, sh- a share of sale, and now Wells Fargo is the owner of the property. Why would the Veterans Administration own a property? Well, Veterans Administration, HUD, Housing and Urban Development, or Fannie Mae actually purchases mortgages from banks. See, the federal government buys mortgages from banks so the banks can actually do more mortgages. Mm-hmm. That's what keeps the money moving so and and the federal government does that through the veterans administration through franny and freddie mm-hmm. which are government programs they're or govern- they're actually what they're called quasi-government programs okay they are created by the government more or less as holding companies for mortgages and franny and freddie mm-hmm. buy the mortgages off of the banks off of the mortgage Correct. companies they typically buy conventional mortgages mm-hmm um, they will buy some commercial, some investment mortgages. Um, now, what about HUD? Housing, housing and urban development. Sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, does that make sense? These these mm-hmm. acronyms kind of throw me off sometimes. So HUD yeah, is hou- very confusing. Housing and urban development. Correct. What is their role in the real estate? They are market? actually what would be called FHA. Okay. That makes sense because we've all heard about FHA loans, um, and FHA stands for Federal Housing Federal Housing Authority. Authority, right? Which definitionally <laughs> sounds very similar to Housing and Urban Development, but Correct. HUD is the organization that issues the FHA. Loans. They hold the funds. They hold the funds. Gotcha. Okay. 
Um, there's also another group called USDA. Now, USDA. Which do more of the farm, right. the farm type properties. And that's also ran through HUD. Okay. But USDA. And the Department of Agriculture, too, by the way. So the USDA, that's the RD loans, the Rural Development Loans. Correct. Is run through the U.S. Is this the same organization that stamps whether or not the meat is good yes, to eat? Yes, just another division. Yes. Okay. Or so, your jalapeno peppers. Or my jalapeno peppers, which <laughs> I'm a big fan of. Um, yeah, and so a REO would be an umbrella term that covers bank-owned properties and these government-owned properties. It is. It is. And when you're in the business, most agents, realtors, would just say an REO. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a quicker, easier, more or less slang word to say. So right there, say someone is interested in a house that's an REO. It's going to be listed in the MLS as real estate owned by whoever. Um, so your agent's going to know whether it's an REO or not. That you, is correct. You might not know if you see something, see an ad or see something on Zillow or, you know, on a on a website or so. You're just, it's just going to look like a regular listing for the most part until you dig down into it. But if you're working with an agent, that agent should, will be able to tell you. A good realtor will be able to instruct you. Mm-hmm. And navigate you not only through seeing the property, but also the, the process to purchase. And that's what I was going to ask you. How does the process to purchase an REO differ from a typical purchase? Well, Sean, a typical agreement of sale with a privately owned property mm-hmm. is about 13 to 14 pages long. Mm-hmm. Okay. You use that agreement of sale nine times out of ten for foreclosure, but then the bank or the federal government, whoever owns that property, has something called addendums. And their corporate addendums could be another 30 to 40 pages long. Okay. Now, why would they be adding these addendums onto it? Well, what they do is you have lead paint addendums. That's typical. Which is a typical thing. You have what is as-is condition addendums. Okay. With them, they are not responsible for any repairs. Mm -hmm. You have to accept the property as you find it. Okay. There's a lot of conventional listings that will uh, say it's an as-in condition or so. And a lot of times when you're going to make an offer, they might say, hey, it's as-in. We're not going to make any repairs. But if they still allow a home inspection, you can still ask them to do it. There's no real, you know, it doesn't mean you can't ask as long as you could walk away. Um, How does an as-is addendum on an REO differ from someone just writing as-in condition on the MLS or in a listing? Well, there are two types. Mm -hmm. First, well, three things to remember. First, there is no seller's disclosure. All right. They've never lived in the property. Right. So you do not know. They do not know condition. They encourage home inspections Mm -hmm. for the consumer to find out the condition, find out the problems. The REO company, whether it be the government or a bank, don't want to know the problems. That's a liability to them. Okay. They will not fix any problems. That is a liability to them. So you always have to be aware when you walk into a property, what you see is what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
they do not allow you to do any repairs till you own it. Mm-hmm. Right? Some people will come in and start putting in new kitchens and putting in new cabinets. You can't do that. You're helping them, not you. So the reason why that's important is because depending on what kind of financing you want, the house might have to be in livable condition or up to code or something because a bank typically isn't going to want to give you a mortgage on a house that's inhabitable that you can't even live in so sometimes you know when you want a mortgage if you're selling a house and i i want to i need a mortgage to buy your house i'll say hey jim i need you to add some smoke detectors some handrails and stuff because otherwise i can't get the mortgage and if you want to sell the house to me you got to work with me so we might do something like that None of that in REO. The answer will be no. So when someone is looking at an REO, what are their financing options? Well, there's two really good financing options. Mm-hmm. A conventional mortgage, if you have the resources. Uh-huh. A conventional mortgage is not as particular about condition. It has to be at least livable. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to call out peeling paint or missing handrails. As opposed to like an FHA or a VA or a government loan. That is correct. But FHA has a wonderful product, Mm -hmm. which is a construction loan that is worked into your current loan Mm -hmm. that you're applying for. There are two types of that. One, that's $25,000 and under, Mm -hmm. and $25,000. Up to, I believe it's 75 now is the threshold. Okay. Yeah, and I've done a couple of those. They're, what are the, uh, I always get the numbers in the letters. I think it's the 203K. K. 203K. And um, and they're great because basically you're borrowing against, you, you basically are promising to have a list of things done by a, an approved contractor and then you're able to borrow against the future value once that stuff That's is done. That's correct, Sean. That is correct. And they will send out their own appraisal mm-hmm. appraiser who will review the work to make sure it meets the standard that they expect. Now, the one thing to remember is that the work needs to improve the value of the house. That is right. So, uh, you know, I've I've run into situations where our plan was to do a two or three K, and we you know had it all had it all worked out, and then we did the septic inspection, and we found out it needed a whole new septic system. And one of the issues is is that spending ten thousand dollars on a septic system doesn't necessarily improve the value of the house. It not having a good septic will definitely decrease the value of the house. So there was a little bit of massaging to kind of, you know, that is something you could always come back and negotiate with. Right. And it's, it's usually better once this. So I know we're a little off topic here, but in our experience, it's better to go back to the seller and say, Hey, your septic system failed. We need this off the price as opposed to trying to put it into the two Oh three K thing. But Base, you know, my my point being that, for the most part, at least for under twenty five thousand, these should be things that are going to improve the value of the property. Yes. Um, now, is there a conventional equivalent to that? If someone doesn't want to use FHA or go through FHA, or they don't want the higher interest rate for it, there are construction loans that you can get. Mm-hmm. Construct a perm loans conventionally that. You have to see which lender will do that. In this day and age, 
a lot of lenders have changed mm -hmm. their standards. So you have to go through which lender. Mm -hmm. And I would start with the bank you deal with currently because they have your history and ask them, what type of product do you have for this property? It could be a renovation loan. It could be an equity loan. Mm -hmm. or it could be just a plain second mortgage, depending on what price you get. But that's a, dis a discussion you would need to have with them. So I think the bottom line is your finance, when you're dealing with an REO, your financing options are extremely limited. They can be, unless you have cash. And most likely, if you're going to get some sort of financing, the collateral is not going to be as much the property that you're buying, but possibly some other collateral that you already have on hand. or Possibly, correct. Hand. If you can get financing, it's, it's going to be a, a second mortgage on another property or, or home equity or something like that. Because the bank... Although it is a property and it does have value, it has value when you're when you're trying to buy it from them. But then when you're trying to borrow against it, they're like, "Well, the, the let's, see you, let's see what Let's see what you do change. with it first. Correct. Um, and then there's f private financing. So I don't want to get too much into the intricacies of private lending and stuff. But for the most part, putting together a company that purchased these and being an investor. Mm -hmm. You know, a commercial company is is uh, the most the the mo usually how private hard, financing hard goes. money lenders mm -hmm. are an avenue to go. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to be paying a much higher interest rate up front. They usually expect you to refinance it between six to twelve months of the original loan origination. So you have to make sure the repairs you do increase the value, mm. not are just lateral moves. Also, you have to make sure that the value you're getting out of it on the long end will pay the debt you suddenly created. Hard money loans will finance not only the property, but they will also finance the repairs but you've got to be prepared for the interest rate. Okay. How else is the process different when it comes to buying one of these properties? So let's assume that you're not financing let's, or you, you're buying cash and that's okay. all taken care let's of. Let's say if we're buying with cash. Yeah. Typically when you're buying cash, you can do a 15-day or a 30-day settlement. Right. With an REO, expect to do 45 to 60. Okay, with a foreclosed property. Okay. Why would you say that? Well, there's always title issues. Mm -hmm. And even if you're buying cash, always, always, always order title work, a title search to be done on a bank-owned property. Mm -hmm. You never know what could have been missed through the foreclosure process. And if it goes through without you doing that, you're responsible for the old liens. Mm -hmm. Okay? But it usually takes 45 days for the examination to be done, considered complete. When you're dealing with the federal government, nothing happens overnight. Right. The one person that signed the contract will not be the person who approves it to go to settlement. There will be three or four other steps on their end that the property has to go through before it gets to that point. 
real quick aside, this kind of, you know, the more you negotiate, obviously, that whole pro- the longer that process is, what's the relevance between the listed price and what they're actually going to accept it for? Because a lot of people think, oh, it's an REO, so I can, I can go lower. There's other times where if they haven't gone through the process, at least with a short sale, sometimes the price is the agent guessing at what the bank would accept. So with an REO, would they take it at the price listed? Usually when you're dealing with an REO, there has been at least one, if not two appraisals already done. And they're actually comparing it to the market Mm -hmm. and comparing it to the observed damages by the appraiser. They don't do home inspections. Mm -hmm. They do observed. If an appraiser walks in and sees that their kitchen is missing, they will deduct that from the value. All right. That Mm -hmm. doesn't mean the bank will put a new one in. It just means they've already reduced that price. Yeah, and my fear would be just the listing agent just kind of goes a little bit low, and even if you go in at asking, they still might say, "Well, we want you know we want a little bit more here or there." We usually can't do that. Okay. All right. Usually, when the listing price comes out, that covers the value of the property and any liens that need to be covered. Mm-hmm. All right. They've done their search. They're not going to move off that price very much. Okay. And at least in the first thirty days. Mm-hmm. After it sits on the market, it becomes a stale listing. Mm-hmm. All right. Usually within the foreclosure world, the REO world, is divided into quarters. Okay. All right. And they always want to make sure that by the end of the quarter, fresh inventory is coming on. That's when you're going to expect to see the best price reduction or the most negotiable time of pricing. Okay. So we've talked about the financing and the process of getting the offer approved and getting to settlement. It's going to be a little bit longer. You have more people to approve it. Once you're in the house, let's say you are able to close on the house. What are you looking at? Well, what you're looking at is if you've done a home inspection Mm -hmm. by a good home inspector, you should be at least prepared for plumbing leaks. Mm -hmm. Okay. Most bank-owned properties, foreclosed properties have been winterized, okay, which is putting air through the lines, putting antifreeze in the elbows. Over time, that antifreeze eats into the joints, into the the, uh, gaskets. And as that happens, if it's been for a long period of time, Mm -hmm. you get some called dry rot. Mm -hmm. Things start to dry out, and they don't hold or keep back the water anymore. So expect to find that. Yeah, you know, I know a lot of great agents who've gotten into the industry in the last few years, but <laughs> when you've been in the when you've been doing this long enough to where you know what it's like to deal with a house that's literally been sitting vacant on the market for two plus years, three years, four years. Yeah. It seems it seems unrealistic being that we've been in such a hot market over the last couple of years, but if someone's been through that oh eight to oh twelve, oh fourteen kinda kind of cycle it's uh yeah very real possibility it's a real possibility to find plumbing issues another real possibility is when you came in through the property the first time Mm -hmm. to expect to see whatever's been left there from the former occupant Mm -hmm. 
mm. still there. Some banks empty and clean their properties. Some do not. Mm-hmm. Okay? You could be just buying everything. All right? I knew a gentleman who bought a car and found, bought a house and found a Corvette in the barn. Oh, wow. It was a 74 Stingray, but it needed some work. Next to that, though, you could find anything in there. Mm-hmm. I was in, involved in a property years ago that we foreclosed. The person was a professional hoarder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. It took us six 26-foot trucks to empty the house. Six 20-foot trucks. 26-foot 26 26 trucks. 26-foot trucks. I can't even imagine it took a house three days. would fit that much stuff in there. But Yes, it can. Mm-hmm. A three-bedroom house can. On a side note, I am hoping to have a future episode with someone who does clean out, does the hazardous waste style clean outs. Um, okay. Because – They'll have some great stories for you. Once you – yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> But the, uh, but yeah, want, want, I mean, hoarding uh, paper can decompose pretty quickly and be pretty nasty. And you're going to find some investigation. You're going to find mice. You're going mm-hmm. to find cockroaches. You're going to find termites. Termites love paper and cardboard. Mm-hmm. You know, so be prepared to run into all those types of things. All kinds of fun smells, especially if a house has been closed up for a couple of years. It's very challenging sometimes to get past that. But always remember, you have a new plan for this house. And you, when you purchase the home, have that plan already in place. Mm-hmm. Have your contractors already in place, or at least on the direction you're going to go in. Some people will purchase a foreclosure and not have any idea where to start, and they get overwhelmed. I, at one point in my career, foreclosed on a single home four times in five years from the property owners walking away because they were getting overwhelmed Mm -hmm. with what they needed to do. Mm -hmm. Now... Overwhelmed financially or Finan- overwhelmed well, emotionally? Well, financially and emotionally because they come in hand in hand. Mm-hmm. All right. You come in with grand, great dreams, and those dreams are wonderful dreams. Mm-hmm. But you have to make sure your pocketbook can handle it. Mm-hmm. If you know you need a kitchen, prepare yourself to go 10 or 15% over what you expect to spend. Same as bathrooms, same as roofing, same as heating. Be prepared for that. Have your nest egg or your financial plan put together when you buy a foreclosure. If you're not ready for that or you don't have it, don't buy one. Buy a home that someone has already lived in, cared for, and loved. Or find one post-flip. Correct. So the other option would be a professional professional went in there, made the purchase, got everything done, brought in the contractors, and now they're selling it at market value, maybe maybe a little bit of a premium because it's got new stuff done. Correct. So for the average home buyer who's got other things going on in their life that's you know outside of flipping houses, it might not be that bad of an idea, bad of a no, plan it's not. to just buy it for more money, have traditional financing, which is actually pretty reasonable if you think about a 30-year loan, and have someone else deal with all that. 
Now, with a foreclosure, Sean, one thing you must remember. Yeah. When you're buying a flip from a flipper, there has to be something called aging. Okay. Okay. You cannot go – a property has to be in possession of the current owner, current flipper, for one year before you can get FHA financing. Okay. All right. Does that – does that flipper have to – do they have to live in the house? No, they don't have to live in the house. Mm. But they also have to show the improvements they made. Mm. Spray painting the walls white and putting down laminate flooring is not considered an improvement in the eyes of the FHA. That's why they say it's a one-year ownership. Mm. Now, conventional mortgage, it's usually about six months with aging. They'll look at the market and they'll say, okay, the house is worth this much. You can get away with a little bit more conventionally. Now, there are credit union products that are just as good as FHA. That would also qualify the house as long as it shows the improvement in value through the appraisal or improvements in the house itself. So that's another way to walk. So how does this work? Because and the, uh, I mean, plenty of people buy a house and then flip it within a couple months, right? Mm-hmm. But the buyer is only limited to certain kind of financing. Correct. Correct. Okay. Correct. They have to show with FHA. You have to show that you've owned it for a certain period of time, unless it was a full demo down to the studding rebuild which not many flippers will take in to effect. Mm-hmm. FHA looked for that one year. Okay. Interesting. Good to know. Um, so that, that that's really helpful. Jim, what's the best way that people can get a hold of you or find someone to help them if they're looking at or thinking about working with an REO? The best way is to contact me here at the office at REMAX Ace Realty, or they can email me at James Whalen at remax.net okay great well thanks a lot i really appreciate it great thank you very much thanks for listening this has been the chester county real estate podcast brought to you by remax ace realty serving buyers and sellers in the chester county area subscribe for new episodes at acerealtypa.com slash podcast and you can find us on facebook youtube and wherever podcasts are found This episode is brought to you by REMAX Ace Realty in Downingtown, PA. Whether you're looking to buy or sell a home, we have a real estate expert for you. Search for homes or contact an agent at acerealtypa.com.